Yeah, well, I had to process my my grief for <laughs> losing my lifelong friend Leslie, and I she was so smart, and like God, she was fit, and I just couldn't understand why she didn't know she had a heart attack and then uh, a sudden cardiac arrest. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I speak with changemakers from all over the world who are contributing to the common good. Contributing to the common good in even the smallest of ways is proven to help us age with vitality and deep contentment. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. My goal is to share optimism about aging and introduce you to guests who will inspire you to live with zest. And to find out more about this podcast, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind the scenes looks at our guests and other fun tidbits. If you love the podcast, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, a previous guest. Find out more at judybanker.com, and our technical director is Stephen Litweiler. Well, we are all aware by now that exercise and a healthy diet are beneficial for our health and our hearts. But did you know that spending time in green spaces has a significant impact on heart health? Retired professor and researcher Verla Fortier is is going to give us some proven and practical prescriptions so we can avoid cardiac illness and support our overall wellness. Welcome to the show, Verla. Oh, thank you, Nicole. Pleased to be here. I'm excited to have you now for the second time because we talked probably a couple years ago um, when your first book came out and now you have a new book and it's it's really it's it's a different kind of book you know it you're trying to figure out what happened to your very dear friend who was fit and from all accounts quite healthy she has a cardiac arrest and you're trying to work backwards and figure out how she could have died. And, and you're looking at this research about what was impinging on her health. And it's a very, it's this really interesting combination of this personal quest to learn about your friend, but also all the research behind what was impacting upon her health. It's very different. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you for picking that up. That's exactly what it's about. Um, yes, my friend Leslie. And how was it for you to to write about your friend Leslie and, and, and sort of, you know, the loss, but also now bringing in all this clinical data? What was that like? Um, yeah, well, I had to process my, my grief <laughs> for losing my lifelong friend, Leslie. And I, she was so smart. And like God, she was fit. And I just couldn't understand why she didn't know she had a heart attack and then a, a sudden cardiac arrest. I couldn't figure that out. I didn't know um, how this, 
everything could happen. And she was just on a three-day road trip from um, northern Ontario to Texas, and she'd done it several times before with her partner, Bill. She was surrounded by love in her life. Uh, she was easygoing, happy, everything. And I'd, I had to figure out what would happen, what happened to her in two short days. And the thing about Leslie is that she was so engaging, like you are, like she can really tell a story. And so we kept mm. expecting her to come back and tell us a story. And I knew that she would pull me in for the, uh, the nursing side, the healthcare administration side, to add, like, you know, she'd want me to figure out what happened. And so that's, that's what haunted me, mm. and that's why I wrote mm. the book. To just help you, we'll get into your findings, which are really significant, um, and that I'm so, so happy to share with our audience. Did it give you some peace of mind to use your clinical hat to figure it out? Did that bring you some peace? Yes, it did, because right around the time that Leslie died, it was 2014, I was diagnosed with lupus. And that's when I got into the whole green space and how it shifts your mindset and has so many positive and overlapping effects. And so that, you know, but what I always saw in the literature was that when you went outside, your your pulse rate, uh, your heart rate um, went into balance, like it slowed down with your breathing. And that's really what sold me in the very beginning to get into this stuff, because I I knew as a nurse that, you know, that this had heft because, you know, mm. if our, if our patient's vital signs are stable and that's heart rate, then, then they're out of danger. So I was, I was able to, it helped me with Leslie to be able to draw on my clinical background. Absolutely. And then also on my health administration background too, because, um, I knew, I know what it's like to get the calls in from the 911, from EMS. I know everything that can go wrong or right, uh, what they're listening for, and the mistakes that we make. Mm -hmm. So mm. That was so helpful. In your book, uh, you give us a script about what we need to say if we uh, have any doubt we're having a, uh, a, a cardiac event. And it is so clear and so helpful. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's what I tell my, my close friends, friends and family is that you have to, you have to say the right things that they're listening for. And then you have to be consistent and repeat it don't change it. Repeat it to 911, repeat it to the EMS, repeat it to the eMERGE nurses, because they're always evaluating how thing, if things have changed. And if they haven't changed and you've got the right script, like I call it a Hollywood heart, give them a Hollywood heart attack. Uh, if you have those symptoms, put them mm. front, right and center. And, uh, you know, there's the three big ones are, um, you know, pain or discomfort that radiates, pain that moves into your arm or neck. If, if they hear that, they'll, they'll perk up. And then the other one is fatigue. You're, you're not doing anything, but you feel like you've run a marathon. And the other one is shortness of breath. Um, you haven't done anything, but you're really short of breath. 
and then stay away from everything else. Okay. So what one of the things that you talked about, which I think is so important, is don't get into, well, I had pizza, so it might be heartburn. And, you know, I'm not sure that you're saying, listen, you've got to err on the side of safety. Better to be safe than sorry. Just keep repeating those th things. Um, you know, I have pain that's radiating. I'm short of breath, and I have intense fatigue. Did I get that right? You've got it. And mm -hmm. the simpler you can make it, the easier you make their job. Because if you give them an opening, then mm -hmm. they have to investigate. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the problems with Leslie, is you said that she didn't get help soon enough for a variety of reasons. But had she be able, been able to communicate to the proper people, this is what's happening, uh, she would have saved a lot of time and, and might have been alive today. Right. But there was some stuff before that. Like, she... I couldn't understand why she didn't couldn't recognize that she was having a heart attack. She just asked her partner, Bill, to, um, I'll be okay, just give me my aspirins to chew. Well, that was really smart of her to be carrying aspirin. Mm. Uh, she had no diagnosis of heart disease. Yeah. And um, so she didn't recognize her own. And, and I thought, so the very first thing I did was Googled, like, who doesn't recognize their own heart attack? I don't know. I haven't had one. And the the first one I, I saw was um, this um, Robin Oliviera, who was a retired cardiac care nurse uh, and a very good author. Mm -hmm. And she wrote in the New York Times. And she she thought that her indigestion was coming back. She played down her symptoms. Mm -hmm. She left the gym. She drove herself mm -hmm. home. She did all that, just what Leslie did. Mm. And another one was Rosie O'Donnell. She took an aspirin and went mm -hmm. to bed, Googled the symptoms and thought, no. So I think that we may not even know when we're having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. So it's... Right. And then you have women who tend to be... Um, how shall I say it? <laughs> Not always really assertive in, in, in asking for what we need, um, and being much more caretaking of others and saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. Precisely. Yeah, and downplaying our symptoms and maybe not even used to. We might in, we might even have to practice saying our symptoms to others so that we can actually acknowledge that, you know, we are, we are in discomfort because we're so used to muscling through and helping everybody else. Yeah, it's a big feature yeah. of, yeah, the landscape there. Um, there, well, like with Leslie, there, there was a couple of things she didn't recognize. She was having a heart attack. Um, she probably didn't even know the difference between a heart attack and sudden cardiac arrest. And, uh, and I, I could explain that if you like, but we don't have to. Um, and then she probably thought because she had no diagnosis, she wasn't at risk of a heart mm -hmm. attack. Yes. Let's talk about that, Verla, because I think that those are things that 
you know, lay people like myself don't understand. Can we can we talk about why heart rate variability is such a good indicator of heart health? Oh, yeah. I mean, the researchers love heart rate variability, and it's been in the research for a very <laughs> long time because it's so precise. And um, we've only just recently been able to get this on our um on our wearables. But yes, heart rate variability measures stress. It, it's one measurement that measures your emotional state and your um, physiological state. So stress in your mind and body. Um, and so the idea of variability, as I understand it, and you have to correct me, is that your heart returns to a uh, str less stress. Um, so we're looking at when it's stressed and then when it returns to not being stressed. Am I? Is that generally what we're looking at or, or maybe you can explain it a little bit better? Well, I, I think I usually start by talking to people about resting heart rate and then um, heart rate variability heart rate variability. Uh, resting heart rate is just like when you go into the hospital and the nurse takes your pulse if you're lying down or not doing anything. So that is a big predictor of illness in the, your state of mind. Um, and then... Is that the same as pulse rate? That's right. Yeah. So we're all used to... Get like look getting our heart rate up, right? We're always doing that in the gym, but but now there's this other great thing, which is resting heart rate, and that's just when you're not doing anything. And then the one that goes with that is heart rate variability, and that's just um, the variation between your heartbeats. But it, it's a it's a very technical and very mathematical uh, thing, but it uh, it's just one measurement that we can just get a free app and it can give us the results. Okay. And so that's a resting heart rate and the variability is, with, how does that work? Uh, very, it could be, you could call it variation as well. It's just the, like, heart rate is your how many beats per minute. Uh, heart rate variability is the time between heartbeats. And whereas with uh, resting heart rate, you like it to be nice and low and slow. Uh, heart rate variability, you like it to be high and turbulent. So that's like a, if you're thinking of a, a hose or something, water, a stream, you want it to be bubbly and oh. and with nice force, nice trigger pressure, so that that blood is pumping through your body and everything is, is nice. If it's really low, it's not good, and that means it's kind of blood's pooling around and not really getting to your heart as well. I see. And is that the strap you talked about in the book, that you can buy a strap on Amazon to test your heart rate variability? Yes, that's the most inexpensive mm -hmm. and straightforward, I think, like to buy a Fitbit. Like, you can get this stuff on your Fitbit, any smartwatch. Um, but um, Harvard Health said the best one is, I use a, I don't have any affiliation with them, but uh, Polar T. 
tan mm-hmm. strap, and I just put it on for mm-hmm. one minute in the morning, and then I loaded up mm-hmm. this free app um, called uh, the best one. Was it's uh, Elite HRV, and then it gives me a, a number from one to ten on how I'm doing, and because I have lupus. Um, it shows up in my resting heart rate and heart rate variability when I'm having a flare, when I'm, you know, not, not well. And this is so valuable mm-hmm. for me. And, and just getting back to resting heart rate, the, the people at Stanford, I don't know if you got to that part, but um, Dr. Snyder, Michael Snyder at Stanford, is doing some really interesting work, and he's in the division of personalized medicine, and he does all these experiments on himself. So he used his own resting heart rate (laughs) (laughs) to uh, diagnose his own Lyme disease. His resting heart rate went up. Oh, and before the symptoms. I see. That's so fascinating. So you and you, can you tell when you've got a flare coming on before you feel poorly? Yeah, or, you know, like sometimes there's so much going on at the subconscious level, you don't know how you feel. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I think, oh, I'm going to be really bad. You know, I've done so much and it's going to be a mess. But then my heart rate variability is fine and I think, Oh, well, probably I am okay. <laughs> but, and then it'll, but it just mm-hmm. confirms when I'm really in trouble. And it just says your, um, your parasympathetic or your sympathetic side is high or low. Because all these things, like sudden, for s- sudden cardiac arrest, I really had to research the nervous system and the, sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system which is captured in in these um in these readings of hrv and heart rate variability so now let's talk about the good news and and what we both love so so dearly can you talk about the significance and the vital importance of us as human beings being in green space Sure. <laughs> um, I think that uh, now they're calling it a, uh, you know, an ecological health service. And the science is only just catching up to what indigenous cultures and have known for hundreds of years about all the different things that um, that the outdoors provides for us. But on the... Uh, on the mental health side, it helps us to regulate our emotions. It uh, takes away um, our negative rumination, and that's that kind mm-hmm. kind of thinking that you're always looking back at your what you did wrong. And that that I think was part of my friend Leslie's. Um, she was angry about something before she left. Uh, she saw her doctor. Uh, uh, but then she was angry about something, and I think she was angry at herself or the doctor or something. But anger, in particular, anger rumination can create irregular, fatal heartbeats after two hours after a, a anger outburst. 
and this is the meta-analysis peer review. So, as you know in your work, this uh, emotions is (laughs) so tightly tied to our environment and to our heart. And it's life and death. It can be life and death, really, uh, if we don't catch it. So if we're able to get out into green space, um, we can preempt that. We can get our our thoughts, uh, emotions, and our heart rates and our breathing and our whole nervous systems back into balance. So it's just kind of this seesaw up and down between our two sides of our nervous system and everything sort of moving along nicely. And then it's like a reset. It's it's almost like a reset. Exactly. Exactly. Talk about Verla, talk about this mm, this very specific exercise that I was not familiar with that you go under was it a white pine? And you open your mouth as if to sing because you want those beautiful uh, tree aerosols to enter your lungs. Could you talk about that? I had never heard of it. Oh, that's our Canadian Diana Beresford Kroger. So she says to find a white pine and stand under it, pick up a few stones or or pine cones, put them in your hand, like as you would worry stones, because then you'll pick up the good microbes in there. And stand tall, like as if you're an opera singer, open up your lungs, and just breathe in those, uh, those aerosols, and, and all the things that they, that they do for you, and bring a friend along too. And why is it white pine? Is that just what's uh, in your neck of the woods? Well, that's what she, that's Diana Beresford Kroger's favorite one. But all the, uh, all the different plants and trees provide a different combination of aerosols. So I, I don't think you can go wrong at all. And, and, and the. A hemlock would do. <laughs> yeah. And there you're getting. <laughs> You're getting the opposite of what you would get on a on a road trip that like Leslie was on, like the sounds. You know, you're you have no ear lids. You, you're the sounds just go, as you were talking about in your uh, python <laughs> hunting expedition. I mean, those sounds go right into your nervous system, your heart, and um, and our hearts are so vulnerable to sound as a as an independent variable. I mean, traffic noise harms our heart, and we need to know that. And and getting out into nature, even if we hear some traffic noise, uh, helps, helps our heart. It's interesting that you say that, because on occasion I go down to New York City, and I'm sure you're familiar, I mean, certainly you have cities in Canada, um, the air brakes on the buses are so penetrating, that squeal, just, it's almost if it just punctures right into your guts. And it's not only like, ouch, my ear hurts, I feel as though it's so jarring. And I think that's what you're kind of thing you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like in, in 2019, two young hip researchers in France, they wanted to know what it was like 
when we're outside in transportation, moving in and out, like mobile, you know, that mobile noise you're talking about. And so they Mm -hmm. measured heart rate variability and resting heart rate. And they found that for every five decibels, now that's slight, affects the heart, heart rate variability Mm -hmm. and heart rate. And they found that when you're at home, like when you're out, it's it's double the the sound your the the effect on your heart rate and heart rate variability is double in terms of harm compared to when you're at home. They were able to do this. And you mention in your book, am I am I right that isn't there a free app that measures decibels? Yes, yeah. There's all kinds of them, and uh, that mm-hmm. that's really cool. And you can get a free app for measuring. Uh, sound and then light, it, natural light is so important too. And if you don't get that, then you, you know, your sleep is interrupted. And if, you know, if you're in traffic and you got those bright flashing lights, that's, that's, mm. and sleep is so important for your heart. And if you're on a road trip, I think that's part of what happened to Leslie. She couldn't sleep. So yeah, there's, there's a, to your question though, there's a noise app where you can measure and that's free and then there's a free Lux light app where you can measure mm-hmm. how much direct sunlight you're getting because you sitting inside the window doesn't do it you've got to get outside and get the direct sunlight on, on air um, I actually on my podcast just interviewed this um, physician in China doctor she's young uh, uh, dr. Zhao and she in the Lancet just published this paper that showed that these tiny traffic emission um, particles that come out of tailpipes go right into our lungs and hearts and that she showed that short term mm. like up to in, in the matter of hours can cause sudden cardiac arrest so they did it. They did the study in all mm. of Japan, where they had uh, air monitoring, air quality monitoring stations everywhere, and they took the people and they looked at the deaths because they had it, this all wrapped up in a big database. And that's what they found. And they found that the people that are over sixty-five are much more susceptible. You know, all that to say we're animals, we're mammals, and even though we have iPhones and we can, you know, go to the moon on a holiday, uh, there's certain things that we cannot, we can't argue with biology. No, exactly, yeah. We just have to go with it, Mm -hmm. and that's such a pleasant thing to do. I don't know, I thought you would get a kick out of that that part about I didn't know this about what the parasympathetic system controls. Did you get that? I'll, I'll... Tell tell us again. Okay, so um, when you go outside, the rest and digest uh, into green space. The rest and digest side of your nervous system mm-hmm. is 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 turned on automatically. You don't have to do anything. Just get outside. And what this does, it's a head to toe. Uh, everything opens up and it, it involves all parts of your body, hit your head, your chest, your abdomen, right through to your pelvis, just not your skin or your legs. So the skin and legs, that's, that's the speedy side and that's the side that won't shut off when you're having a sudden cardiac arrest. But when you're 
outside your parasympathetic goes. So that starts at your eyes, your eyes water, like more lubrication, your and then your heart rate slows down, your breathing slows down, your your uh, digestion, all the sphincters open up so that you can um, digest more easily. Mm. And you're, so you can pa- you're pass gas more easily. You want to, you're able to um, have a <laughs> bowel movement more easily. And you, um, but what the kids like in high school is that the blood goes right to your sex organs. And so they become engorged. <laughs> that for a lot. <laughs> and that is why, Nicole, you are more attracted to others and others are more attracted to yes, you. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> and that is, that's so beautiful. And uh, I think that's why we smile more when, that's my theory, <laughs> when, we're, when we're outside. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so it's, uh, it's, it's covering the whole body. You're better looking when you're outside. Yes, yes. Exactly. That's, that's beautiful, beautiful. So what do you, I know, Verla, you have managed your lupus. You wrote a book about uh, outside mindset. Can you give us a little glimpse into your uh, protocol for the day? Um, because you've, you're such an expert in this. How do you, so you wake up and then take us through your day. Well, you know, just knowing all this doesn't, uh, it's, it's still hard to do, to, to get outside because there's so much that draws us inside. So every day I have to decide to, uh, well, I look, I get, I put on that heart rate strap <laughs> and everybody in my family has mm-hmm. them now. And I step outside for one minute and I look outside at the sky, hear the birds, and then I do a one minute, um, heart rate check but then I see how I'm doing and and uh, then I try to get out when the um, when the sunlight is at its best level where you can get like if you go out in the morning you get that um, mm-hmm. that blue light so that that those that rich rays so I, I go out in the mid-morning um, for as long as I can but sometimes it's just short or, or longer and that sets my sleep clock and then I go out in the afternoon for a different reason and that lifts my self-esteem and and my mood so during the afternoon that's what that does and then I never do get out in the evening because I'm always too tired but that's the other time to get out at uh, around sunset uh, and and that's it. I mean, I mm-hmm. just meet all my friends outside. Uh, they know my mantra, and it gives everybody, uh, you know, that's sort of a focus. So it's it's a really good way to live. And you're not even talking about uh, physical activity or exercise. You're talking about just having your body in green space. Right, and that's what the research shows is that and even just looking for five minutes at a at a picture on your uh, of nature, I mean they've done the studies. <laughs> it's just there. You don't. You mm-hmm. should go outside, but you also could just look at a picture too, and that uh, um, you know has a physiological effect on your heart, your heart rate variability, mm-hmm. and your resilience. But yeah, and when you go outside, the all those. Th- 
your heart rate and heart rate variability are affected, and it's all independent of exercise. You don't have to do anything mm -hmm. at all. That's 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 so interesting. The last question I have for you is about fractals, and I, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I have not known about fractals for that long. But once I found out about them, I was just fascinated. Can you can you describe what's important about fractals, what fractals are, and why we should care? Oh yes. Well, Richard Taylor at the University of Oregon is the fractal king. He's a physicist. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the guy, I, I interviewed him, and he said a very simple way is just to think of fractals as repeating patterns in nature of different dimensions. So everywhere you look, you'll see, this, if you're looking at the same thing, the tree branch, you'll see that it, the next tree branch looks remarkably similar, only a little bit bigger, and a bit bigger, and a bigger, and then the forest is the whole. But you can do that with absolutely anything. And his work shows that the minute you look at a fractal pattern in nature, um, it flows right through your whole body and increases your, uh, decreases your stress up to 60%. Like just, and he's got the experiments to show that. So that mm -hmm. he connects it with, with fractals and it's so beautiful. It's a beautiful way to go outside and notice. <laughs> notice things. Mm -hmm. And if you're noticing fractals, uh, the research shows that meditation is easier when it, uh, when you're outside and meditation, as we know, is, is simply noticing. So that would be a really, fractals, Nicole, would be a really fun way for, um, somebody to just take up a little sport. Like, let's see who can spot a fractal. <laughs> You know what I've read, and I don't know if this is consistent with um, Richard Taylor's work, but that it's just stimulating it enough for our brain, and it's sort of like this lock and a key, but it's not so hyper-stimulating. It's a language that totally clicks with our brain's uh, understanding or way to uh, uh yeah, yeah. So it's not, so it's a little stimulating. The brain's happy about that, but it's not like, you know, making our circuits get, yeah, overload. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, a, thank you for saying that because that's how he says, he says that our eyes are searching for those patterns. And once our eyes see those patterns, then we rest. Our body knows, okay, I'm safe. I, I'm here. It's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that kind of, of oh, thing. Oh, wow. Exactly That's, how I'm you're I'm sure saying. there's all kinds of stuff about evolution and how that became something that was really useful is to to recognize patterns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so he's busy putting all these different patterns in uh, airport carpets and stuff like that. <laughs> Try to calm down oh, people. That's That's fascinating. Yeah, that is really cool. So Verla, you've got a lot of stuff going on. You've got a fantastic podcast. You're talking to these rock stars in the world of, um, you know, green space and, um, uh, and health. Tell, could you just tell our listeners where they might find out more about you and your work? 
it's oh. a good place to find you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Nicole. Well, my uh, website is treesmendus.com. So just trees, men, us. So mm-hmm. just how it sounds. And then on there, mm-hmm. it, it will be my podcast, um, uh, you know, scripts. You could, but my podcast is on any of the um, servers. It's called Your Outside Mindset. And, um, mm-hmm. and then I have uh, my first book is Take Back Your Outside Mindset, Live Longer. By the way, when you go outside, or you don't have to live in green space. You can just kind of spend um, two hours a week getting to it. That's the latest. You don't have to live in it as long as you find two hours a week to get to it. Then, mm-hmm. uh, then you're, mm-hmm. then you get this, this 10 to 12 uh, percent um, benefit of having a longer life, which was one of the things I found out in that first book. So yeah, 10 more years of love and happiness if you can get to green space. So uh, that's mm-hmm. my first book. And then my second book is just recently, it's um, Optimize Your Heart Rate, Balance Your Mind mm-hmm. and Body in Green Space, and that's on Amazon. Yeah, and I mm. just want people to make the best use of their heart rate so they don't have to guess about all the good things that getting out into green space is doing for them. Mm. I've been really avoiding the Apple Watch because I don't like to be um, interrupted and I want some space from tech. But it is interesting to be able to get some of this information, uh, the heart rate, and and that does sound like it is a it is a benefit. Yeah, it you know I my sister doesn't want uh, the watch. She uses a, a finger that finger clip. Um, yes. Yeah, and that that'll give you your oxygen saturation too, and that that's okay. easy. Uh, just okay. to do that if you don't want to get in. But just so you know that those smartwatches, they're now they're um, tested and true and they're completely, they're just as reliable as any heart rate that you're going to get in the hospital or heart rate variability. Mm. So it's in your interest to um, to kind of, get on board with this consumer revolution uh, <laughs> because it's coming and it's it's real time. It's not like you go into the doctor's office, you get a monthly snapshot of something or other. This is empowering. Mm. This is so empowering. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I resist it It's too. so predictive. And it sounds like what you're saying is, yeah. <laughs> Well, I bet you have a pretty band on it. That's <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> very, very naturey. That's great. Oh, I know. You don't want to go overboard. I think one step at a time, right? Just maybe with that finger clip, right? You could do it the old-fashioned way. Okay. Just as long as you know your own resting heart rate. I think as long as people know it, what their heart rate is when they're resting, they're miles ahead miles ahead. Okay. And you want to be, what's the healthy range you're looking for? Well, it varies. You just have to know what yours is, what your your own is. Like it can be anywhere okay. from 70 to 100 resting heart rate. And and if, as long as you know what yours is, then you know when you're uh, in trouble. 
in that that's your early you warning your baseline. system. Yeah, it's an early warning system for uh-oh. Quick, quick little story. I have a, a friend who I'm right now, in the next few minutes, I'm going to meet for tennis. And our tennis courts um, in this high school surrounded by woods. And sometimes the, the, the groundhogs watch us. There's deer oh, there. There's life. almost always a red-tailed hawk flying oh. above us. So we have to wow. stop and say are we in heaven or what's going oh. on but her heart rate because she is an exerciser and a healthy eater and a lovely human being her heart rate was so low it was in the low 50s that her doctor wanted her to come back because they were concerned it was too low and it's really just because she's so you know fit. she's yeah. she's so outside she's so mm, engaged yeah. and she is just not you know she's just yeah. she's all about green um in, in in many versions so she's she's our uh you know, we, we try to model ourselves after oh, Mary. <laughs> that's so good for her. Good for good for Mary. Yeah. Yeah, she's a star. Verla, thank you so much for bringing this to light. It's it. I think it. You know, not enough people know about it. And of course, you can't sell green space, so it's not as prolific in the ads. But what an important thing for people to know. And even in upstate New York, we may have to bundle up and put on our layers. But, um, you know, the idea of even just getting out, walking around the block, for goodness sake, um, is better than staying in our in our homes, you know, watching Netflix. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Nicole. And the return on investment. We don't think we have time, mm. but if we just get out for those few minutes, the return on the investment is so, so, so great that it's mm -hmm. crazy not to do it. You're missing something, and it's always the right thing to do. It's just step outside. Exactly. Perfect. It's always the right thing to do. I love that. We'll end there. Thank you so much, Verla. It was lovely to speak with you again. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Up. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, uh, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the 
clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.